Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. We had to wait an extra year, but the Euros are finally here, and it promises to be a month-long summer festival of football. I'm Dan Burke, and I'm joined today by two European football experts as we look ahead to the tournament. Representing Deutschland is Helga Voltman. Hi. Representing España is Manu Dominguez. Hola a todos. And I guess, I guess I'll represent England then if I must. Um, Helga, how are you feeling? Are you excited? Uh, getting there. <laughs> um, not really, like... Uh, it takes me like a while to to get to get into the the mood there, but also like with so much football going on in the last couple of months and years. Uh, but yeah, now I'm actually excited for the game tonight and uh, for it to start. Yeah, I kind of feel like I could have done with a, a bit of an extra break from from football for a little while. You know, I still feel a bit salty about the Champions League final, and that wasn't even two weeks ago yet. So, <laughs> yeah, like uh, this, this this little break in between like club football and then like the preparation for the tournament that, that is kind of missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about you, Manu? You you feeling up for it? Yeah, actually, exciting for the tournament. Maybe not so optimistic about my team, about my country, but that's <laughs> true. I mean, looking forward to to watch the matches. I think that they are like. Really good generations, and we are going to be able to watch really, really good matches during during the next weeks. Yeah, well, let's get into that then. We'll uh, we'll start by talking about our our three respective nations, and uh, and then after that, we'll we'll take a look at the the other favourites and some possible dark horses. Uh, Helga, let's start with Germany on a, on a positive note. They warmed up for the Euros with a seven one win over Latvia on Tuesday, and of course, it's Yogi Love's last dance in charge of the national team. Are you feeling optimistic about Die Mannschaft's chances? Uh, more optimistic than most, I guess, because the the overall expectations are not very high, especially also mm-hmm. with the with the tough group that Germany is facing there, um, and with the like recent results, losing a, against uh, North Mac- uh, Macedonia and uh, the six zero against uh, Spain, mm-hmm. the the big loss. Um, but I think it's also and. Like Löw has been has been saying that for for a while that it's um, it's going to get better now that they have a chance of actually training together for for more than a couple of days and you know with like three games in the last international breaks all the time they they basically didn't have any time to 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 really train together it was just getting there playing the games regeneration that's it um, so yeah I think they they can can play a nice role during the tournament. Uh, looking better now against Latvia, even though that's maybe not the biggest um, opponent to to measure them against. Um, and I mean, the the big chances for them are that a lot of um, yeah, like a lot of teams are going to get to the next round. So like, even if they're third placed, they they still have a chance to mm. to do so. So I think um, afterwards, it's, it's quite open. Yeah, Germany are one of those teams, I think, who I don't think they're going to win it, but I wouldn't be very confident about facing them at any point. You know, they're, they're always yeah. dangerous. I guess I would kind of say the same about Spain, Manu. I mean, they, they were rocked by um, Sergio Busquets testing positive for COVID earlier this week. They had that uh, friendly against... Uh, who did they play again? In midweek? Uh, Lithuania. Lithuania, that was it. Yeah, they, they battered Lithuania, the, the under-21s. Um, what is the mood like in, in Spain at the moment? Are, are you feeling confident about their chances? Well, if you ask about my personal opinion, actually I feel optimistic because I really am I'm confident with the coach that we have, with Luis Enrique. But if you ask if you ask me what the country the country and the, the, the population thinks about about the national team in these Euros, I might say that a big part of the country they are they are looking for, for Luis Enrique's fail because they are 
upset with him because of the squad list like three weeks ago with no Real Madrid players, no Sergio Ramos. And you know how, how it's in Spain, you know, like everything is divided between Real Madrid and Barcelona. So half of the country is, is against Luis Enrique and also because they were like another many other decisions that Luis Enrique has taken, like Sergio Canales, Jesus Navas, Yago Aspas, that actually didn't like to, 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 to the people in general, to the football fans in Spain. But in my opinion, I think that we have a, 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 great, a great coach. That's true, the preparation has not been the best ones because in the last five days, the, the, the national team couldn't train, train together. And I think that that's going to be like a, a very complicated situation for them because five, five days training individual, in indivi uh, individually is it's not the best way to prepare a tournament like that. But let us say, in my opinion, since Luis Aragonés, we didn't have a good coach as Luis Enrique he is in, in, in terms of preparing the matches and to, to preparing the squad. Maybe he's not like... He, he doesn't um, manage the dressing room as Vicente del Bosque, for example, but I think that besides Julian, uh, Julian Lopetegui, that uh, unfortunately, because Florentino Perez, we couldn't enjoy him during a big tournament, I think that Luis Enrique is one of the best choices that we had had in the last five, uh, three, four tournaments. Yeah. Mm. And I also How think, sorry, just for jumping in there, like, I also think with the lack of preparation, the good thing is like that you have, or like Spain has a decent group to get through like with Slovakia, Sweden and Poland so they should manage that even like the, the like troubles in the preparation but uh, you also have then some time during the tournament to actually get into the best shape possible so I think that's also like a positive point for Spain yeah, yeah and also and at the end we play our three matches at home so we, we are going to play our three matches in Spain and I think that in this kind of years that it's completely different one because the, the countries they are going to be jumping in, in the in the national teams they're going to be jumping in different countries to have the option to play with your supporters the first three matches is giving you a a, a, a very big advantage and not having to travel yeah yeah how do you feel about that both of you do you think it's fair that some some uh, nations get to sort of stay where they are and you know have the home fans there and, so, and other countries have to travel do you think that's the right thing to do for, for me, not at all. I mean, <laughs> at, at the end, we are going to, as, as, as uh, Elge said, we, we don't have to travel. We are going to play in front of our supporters. We have actually the same routine every day and, and that gives us more chances than the, other, than the other countries. So in my opinion, it's not fair, but you know how football is working. Now everything is looking for, for the money and nobody cares about if it's fair or not. It's about <laughs> yeah. how we organize it and to get, <laughs> and to get more revenue. Yeah, I see it in the way as, as well. Kind of, kind of like that, but on the other hand, it's like you have the home advantage in, in tournaments as well, only for one team in that case, but or like two if they are hosting it together. You have that for, for those teams uh, at all, uh, as well. And traveling, I don't know if you are um, like thinking back to like the World Cup in Brazil, some teams had to travel massive distances there as well because they had uh, like the, a bad draw of the, of the stadium. And so you have that in, in every tournament a bit, but yeah, of course, the, this tournament they're going to be twelve uh, different cities. I think it is um, where they're playing, and uh, yeah, like it's, it's it's a little bit more extreme there, especially if you look like Germany is also playing all all games in in Munich. It can be an advantage, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I still can't really believe that they did the twelve cities thing <laughs> during the pandemic. You know, it seemed like such a stupid idea to me, and. Uh, I'm sure the, the risks are probably quite low at, at this point, but who knows, really? We'll see, won't we? Yeah, uh, Manu, it's really unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Manu, how did, uh, how did El Chiringuito react to uh, the no Real Madrid players thing in the squad? No, I mean, uh, actually, the, the ones <laughs> that they are from the Real Madrid side, you, you, you can imagine. They, yeah. 
I, I'm completely sure that they are waiting for Luis Enrique's fail because they, they actually Luis Enrique, what he did at the end is to create his group, create his team. So if there is a success, it's going to be the, the Luis Enrique's success. And there is not success, everyone is going to go against him. And I think that Luis Enrique is happy with that because actually all of the pressure around is going to be over Luis Enrique, not over the team. So I think that he created his group and actually it's going to it to be more stronger as a team. But that's true that in Spain is missing like many at least two or three important players or winner players like Sergio Ramos or for example did in the past Iniesta or, or Xavi Hernandez and I don't know how is he going to manage that in Spain but in my opinion it's a little bit similar to that Italy in 2016 that there was like a really a, a very big coach an amazing coach as Antonio Conte and they probably the squad was not so strong as the other ones around but because the team was 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 stronger they were able to reach if I'm right the quarterfinal or semi-final Mm. I would say the quarterfinal for sure because they, they, they beat us in, in the last 16 in the last 16 but I'm not really sure if they got the, the semi-final but that Italy was one one of the most exciting national teams in the previous year yeah for sure yeah yeah we'll talk about the the sort of optimistic side of, of England I mean we've got a, a great young squad uh, going into the tournament you know Phil Foden Mason Mount Jason Jaden Sancho Jude Bellingham all those players um, arguably you know the best young group of players we've had for a long long time if, if not ever really um it, it seems that way and they're, they're playing a nice style of football uh theoretically speaking anyway so I think everyone's looking at this tournament as maybe maybe one that England could have could have a crack at but uh you know we kind of feel like this going into every single tournament uh you never really know what you're going to get from England they did well at the last World Cup that was probably the, the most fun we've had at a tournament for a while got to the semi-final but as I was saying to Manny Waffair earlier England uh, I saw a stat earlier England have played the most European Championships matches without reaching the final so it's 31 matches they've never been in the final of the European Championships so does that suggest that you know the law of averages means that this year it's finally going to happen for them or is the, the pain going to continue the 55 years of hurt is that going to go on uh, we'll soon find out I guess I mean let's talk about pessimism now the, the nice less opt- segue there <laughs> yeah <laughs> Oh, so I'm all about smooth segues, me, Helga. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, Germany, talking about the 2018 World Cup as well, Germany went into that as, as one of the big favourites three years ago and ended up tanking pretty badly. Are you worried about history repeating itself this year? Uh, not too much, like as I already mentioned earlier, like with the with the group or like the, the the tournament being as it is, that you can be third and still make it to the to the best of 16. I think it's it's like the chances are fairly good that, that Germany is actually going to make it. Um, of course, there's this risk that if you if they lose the first two games against France and Portugal, that then if they slip up against Hungary or like just don't get the, get the win, or if they are unlucky, even whatever, it could happen. Like the the risks in this group are probably way higher, or like they are way higher than than in any of the other groups because we have the the World Cup winner of 2014 and the one from 2018 plus the European champion from 2016 in, in one group. So chances are higher that you that you might not get through. But I think if you get like one or two points in the, the first two games and then beat Hungary, you should be uh, comfortably in the in the next round. And then so like a, a tanking in the, in the group stage, I don't see coming. But yeah, it would be, it would be a surprise to me. Mm-hmm. Beating Hungary, maybe that's not going to be uh, so simple either. No, yeah, it's true. It's true. Like you shouldn't underestimate them. It's just yeah, if you if you really get zero points out of out of three games, then you don't deserve to go to the next round there. But uh, also, like 
from individual class um, of the players, um, Germany should be able to to beat Hungary there. Yeah, yeah, you would imagine so, wouldn't you, uh, Manu? When Spain had that amazing 2008 to 2012 period, uh, they were led by gigantic players like Xavi, Iniesta, David Villa. I look at the squad now, and I don't see quite the same level of star quality. Is that a fair assessment for you? Yeah, back on the times, it was completely different. I think that we are like far away from the big teams. Besides France, I think that they are like a second group of, of national teams like Italy, Portugal, Germany. And still, I, I think so that Spain doesn't reach that level. So we cannot expect Spain to, to, in my opinion, to be in the top four. But as I say before, I think that we have a, a good coach and we have like, I think, hopefully a good group because he created that group with some controversial decisions, but because he thought that it was like the best for the group. So we will see what is happening. But that's true that we don't have this kind of star that, for example, you can find in, in every national team. Because if you go to Germany, you have Thomas Müller, who is a, a winner. If you go to, go to England, you have Harry Kane, France, Portugal, Italy, uh, whatever. And in Spain, with no Sergio Ramos, that actually he was not only the captain, he was like kind of the, the flag that, that we had to, to represent a, a winner player. I think that, yeah, we have this lack of, of quality. But yeah, we will see. I mean, I'm, I'm confident because I say, I think that nowadays the most important piece in my team is a coach. We, we, we have seen that in, in Chelsea with Thomas Tuchel. Uh, we have seen that with Thomas Flick in, uh, when he took Bayern uh, after, after Nico Kovac. I think that the coach, Cholo Simeone in Atletico, is like the, the most important piece in, in one team. And right now, I think that Spain has, has a good one. Mm. You said that uh, his his squad selection was controversial in Spain. Did you find it controversial? Did you have any complaints about him? I mean, you know, thinking about the Sergio Ramos decision, did you understand that or did you think that was a bit crazy? No, in my opinion, I think Sergio Ramos didn't play so many matches. So I understand that Luis Enrique wanted to, to, to leave him away. Actually, because I think that Luis Enrique didn't want every day the same discussions in the newspapers. Like Sergio Ramos may play, Sergio Ramos shouldn't play, Sergio Ramos should play. He didn't want that, so he avoided it. He just put him uh, out of the team. But the thing was, like, for example, decisions like to, to have like Marcos Llorente as a right back when you have Jesus Navas <coughs> playing a good season with, with Sevilla. Then you are calling during the world season uh, Sergio Canales or, or, yeah, especially Sergio Canales. And, and then in the last minute you decided don't call him. And players like Sarabia, for example, he didn't play at all with Luis Enrique. He's out of the team. Then the Jaguars pass one. Actually, it was painful for me because I'm, I I love him as a, as a Celtas fan. But I think that it was quite obvious that if Aspas wasn't called last year when he was even playing better, I think that, okay, he didn't want to bring him in the team. But that's true. They were like so many, let us say, weird decisions. Because <laughs> at the end, Eric Garcia, you know him better than, than anyone here in the podcast. He didn't play at all. Yeah, no, yeah. The, the whole year. And he's in the in the team and probably he's going to be in the start 11. Then Laporte thing like two weeks before the start of the year. And in my opinion, he's an amazing player. But it, everything was weird. And everything created like, these controversial decisions create like, Pessimist, pessimism around uh, the, the national team and we will see how, how Luis Enrique manages but he created his team he created his group and now we, we will see what happened with Busquets because for me he's a kind of key player too and, and if Luis Enrique cannot count with him during the tournament it's going to be a, a big miss Yeah What's the COVID situation now then? Is, is everyone available for the, the game coming up? Yeah uh, the opening game? Uh, Besides beside, uh, Sergio Busquets Jess uh, because Diego Llorente has tested negative in the last three three tests actually Diego Llorente for me is not going to be like a key player so it's not a big miss let us say but, but in general the other players they are they are valuable then as you know we have like a second bubble team 
with uh, all of the uh, under 21 players, also also Bryce Mendez, Rodrigo Moreno, uh, Kepa and Raul Albiol, mm. that actually they can be also called for, for, for playing the next matches. And and we will see how it's gonna be like, how it's gonna shape the team at the end because I think that Luis Enrique have seen that some players from the under twenty one maybe they are with this with this light like Brian Hill or Brahim and I don't I wouldn't be surprised if there are like some changes in in the final squad at the end. Yeah, well as for England pessimism, I, I think England's problem at major tournaments is always that we put too much pressure on ourselves. We always think we're going to go into it and, and finally, you know, bring bring it home. Football's coming home and all that kind of thing. And I think the secret to the success at the 2018 World Cup was that there was very low expectation going into that tournament. No one really fancied England to do anything and they ended up having a really good time. I mean, they, they beat some rubbish along the way, like Panama and stuff like that. But it was, it was generally speaking, uh, you know, everyone was being pretty chilled about it and it was just it was just fun and and now I feel like this year the pressure is on again and it, and the pressure is on a young group of players and I don't know if they are quite ready yet maybe the the next World Cup might be the, the time for them to truly kind of blossom and I'm not sure about about Southgate as well I think he has limitations as a as a coach as a tactician I think um, some of his decisions have been quite poor in in sort of warm up games and the the, the game. Uh, Coming into the tournament, the friendlies have not been particularly good performances, particularly encouraging displays. But, you know, the players are all there. Um, let's have a, a deeper look at the, the coaches of, 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 of your two national teams now. Helga, we mentioned earlier that Yogi Love will be taking charge of his last tournament as Germany boss. Are you expecting him to go out on a high or is he already a bit long in the tooth for you? Uh, definitely. Um, he was definitely too long in the tooth there a little bit. At the end, there was like this dark cloud above the whole team like, like the criticism against him was high also rightfully so because uh germany just didn't manage uh manage to to really get out of this this world cup funk afterwards they they still had terrible results they they didn't manage to actually be be um like defending well or like even you could see like against um like there's still this trouble a little bit like even against uh, Latvia and Denmark, where the opponent barely uh, had any chances, they they still managed to concede a goal, and yeah. um, they're really working on that. You could see that against Denmark as well; like it was working fairly well. You know, like they they I think they only had this one chance. They're actually a like, big chance in that game, um, but then they scored off it. So um, I think it's, it was time that he's that he's leaving, and I think he realized it himself. Because um, also, like the the whole atmosphere now that he's announced his departure is is, is way better. Like the like around the team, but also um, publicly, um, that the people are kind of like, okay, the last hurrah, let's let's go and and uh, try to send him off with a with a with a nice success or like at least like a positive tournament. And so, I think for Germany. Everything is possible. I wouldn't put us as um, the the main favorite or like the the top team going into the tournament, but definitely in like the wider favorite area. You know, together with like teams like England and Spain, I think I wouldn't be surprised if in the end they they win it. But um, like, I mean, there's there's plenty of things possible. I think depending on where Germany ends up in the the group, there are um, tough opponents waiting. I think England could be in the best of sixteen. If England goes first and Germany uh, third, for example, 
so it could it could end there already. But <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're going out against against a strong team, I think everybody would understand. It's it's not like you know like in the World Cup where you are the the clear favorite of the group and then go out last. Yeah. I suppose the big question is, is Yogi Love going to scratch his arse and sniff his fingers one last time at a major <laughs> tournament? Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's more relaxed now. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to overpromise anything here. Yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, you've spoken a bit about Luis Enrique already, Manu. Um, do, do you think maybe his skill set is better suited to international football than, than club football? I mean, he, he did a pretty good job at Barcelona, not an amazing job, but are you, are you sort of happy with him as, as Spain's boss overall? Yeah, I think that he's better a coach for a club football than a national team, right. in my opinion, because he's a kind of of, of coach who lives too much the, the day-to-day, who needs to be in contact with the players every day. I mean, if you listen players like, for example, Andres Iniesta or even Luis Suarez, when they speak about Luis Enrique, they always consider him the best or the best with Guardiola, that the coach that they have had. So I think that he's betting this, in better in this kind of context. But as a national coach, I think that he has... He got, time enough to, 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 to know this, to, to, to build this team, to, to, to know this play, those players. And, and I'm confident, as, as I say before. Actually, probably I'm the only one who is confident because, because everyone right now hates, hates Luis Enrique. He has, he has taken a big risk because, as I say, like these decisions with Eric Garcia, with Diego Llorente, nobody can understand them. And if, if Spain fails in the, in the group stage or in the last 16, everyone is going to go against him. But I think that Luis Enrique loves that. Whoever knows Luis Enrique knows that he likes this kind of pressure. He likes to be against the wall. And I think that he's going to use this, this message, like we are against the wall, a team, the, 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 the nation, the, the, the country uh, doesn't believe on you. And I think that he loves this message in order to, to build a stronger team, to build a strong message, to close everything around. And I'm confident that Spain can, can do it well. I mean, I don't think so that Spain is going to win it. I think that it's going to be hard to be in the top four in the semifinals, but I think so that at least we are going to be in the in the last in the quarterfinal. That for me it would be it would be a, an amazing performance for for Spain. Mm. Yeah, I mean as for Gareth Southgate, I talked a little bit about him earlier as well. I mean I think his his waistcoat game is still 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 up there. Hoping to see more of that at this tournament. Um, I, I am a, a bit concerned about his limitations as a tactician, but I don't think international football you necessarily have to be a you know Pep Guardiola, Jurgen Klopp style coach to to be successful it's it's about motivating people it's about man management it's about being a, a good spokesperson for the country and I think Gareth Southgate is exceptionally good at that you know he he did a, an interview with the Players Tribune this week um, explaining why England's players are going to continue taking the knee during the tournament and a lot of people really loved what he said about about all that sort of uh, talk and all that sort of that issue Everyone is, is very uh, behind, well, not everyone is behind him. Uh, at least half of the country are behind him um, and are behind the team on that. And as someone like me, who who is not the most passionate England fan and I never really has been, um, it, I, I think I really connect with this England team on a level that I haven't done before. Um, I really believe that they kind of have good values and a good heart. And I think Southgate is, is the perfect uh, coach for them at this moment in time. So... Yeah, I'm reasonably optimistic going into this tournament. I don't know if uh, if if England do badly at this tournament, whether that will be it for Southgate. I would imagine that he will probably stick around a bit longer and get get the next World Cup at least. I think he's done a good job so far, but it would be it'd be really nice to see them at least. Uh, do as well as they did at the last World Cup and get to a semi-final. Uh, let's shift our attention to the players now. Helga, who, who do you think will be the key men for Germany this summer? Who And, and perhaps who are you tipping to be a surprise package in the squad? 
Uh, Keyman, definitely the, the two that uh, Löw has, has taken back into the team, Thomas Müller and, and Mats Hummels. Offensively, you could already see that Müller is helping so, so much. Um, you, like he's, he's leading the, the, the pressing when it, when it comes to like recovering the ball, but also like he's, his movements, like, you know, uh, running deep or like into the box to, to receive passes from, from this creative midfield. Um, he, he really does that well. Uh, Hummels is supposed to lead the defense. I mean, the good thing is like there's Antonio Rüdiger uh, at his side um, and probably Matthias Ginter, who um, are very decent defenders as well. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, Rüdiger just uh, you know in the Champions League final that you don't want to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so yeah, like like Hummels in the, in the defense, like to, to for the build up play, also like his his passes, like he, he had this. Great assist against uh, Latvia as well. You know, like he, they, they are going to be the key factors, I think. Um, obviously, the, the the central midfield as well, probably Kroos and, and Gundogan. Um, there, you have to see how how they are going to do defensively, because you know, like in, when it comes to possession and, and offense, I think everybody knows how great they are with that. Um, to, yeah, it's kind of to see how, like for example, against France and how they how they play against um, these offensive. Uh, midfielders and 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 how they're, how they're going to deal with that, um, and uh, another key man is probably Kimmich at, at right back because mm -hmm. that's um, a move that uh, was necessary because he's he's just way better offensively than um, like any other right back we have. That's maybe a criticism as well for for Löw because um, Reid Lebaku, who was playing at the under twenty one European uh, Championship. He would have been maybe a player that that could have been put there because he's he's really great on the on the right wing, um, but now that that he wasn't called up, like Kimmich has to has to be put in the position. And the good thing is like the, the center midfield is, is really well um, stuck with, with good players, so he's not missed there that much. Even though he has like the, the best defensive quality there, um, but yeah, he's probably one of the best. Right backs as well in the tournament, so that's that's going to be decent for surprise packages. I don't really have many because because most players are, are widely known. Mm. Um, the only one that I could imagine could could make an impact that is not known that much outside of the Bundesliga would be Florian Neuhaus from uh, from Gladbach. He's yeah. also center midfield, scored the goal against Denmark. Not sure exactly how much playing time he's going to get. Probably like one of those players who gets subbed on during the second half uh, repeatedly. So I don't know if he's going to make a massive impact, but maybe if there's an injury or uh, I don't know, like he could be one of those players that, that are a surprise a little bit. Yeah. Are you expecting anything from Kai Havertz at this tournament? I mean, he sort of uh, f found some form at the end of the season and I think he scored his first senior goal against Latvia the other night, didn't he? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, like, I, like the question there is going to be who Löw is going to play. That's like the the only open position still in the, in the starting lineup. If, he, if he's going to play Havertz like he did against um, Latvia, or if he is going to play Zane who played against uh, Denmark. So it also kind of like depends on on if they're like how much impact Havertz can have. I think in general, like he he might. Um, start because I think he links well with uh, Müller. You know, like that they can both play on the uh, like number ten, but also as a forward. So like they can kind of like interchange positions there. 
Havertz is also like a little taller, you know, like he can, he, he scored the occasional header. Mm-hmm. So um, that might be a nice thing to have in there as well. And so I think he's going to start. And if he does, then I, I expect big things from him. He's, he's uh, a massive talent. He is already now shown in, in, in England as well. Like he, he, it took him some time to get adjusted, I think, you know, because yeah. he, like new league, new style of football, new home, like he's young, like probably like the first time that he's, uh, like for real away from home, like, you know, like without his uh, like close contact to his family, then he had the, the COVID infection that uh, threw him back as well. So like, I think it just it was natural that it took him some time, but like, there's no question about his quality, I think. Yeah. What about Timo Werner? Because I mean, he's a guy who had a very up and down <laughs> <laughs> debut season for Chelsea. Uh, are there, there concerns are about, about him? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think, I think, yeah, I mean, he, misses all these big chances like this is like i mean this is a running running joke by now and i, I think in a tournament you you can't really have a player who's who's not uh clinical in front of goal because you don't get many chances normally um but he's this kind of player that actually manages to to get into this position that he has these clear shots you know like that they that he uh tears um, or like, like open spaces, you know, like, mm. like with his runs to, for for other players. But I think he will be more of um, of a of a substitute during the tournament. But it's it's kind of great to have that as well in a team that you um, can bring on Werner and maybe Zane, like if he's also on the bench at first. Because um, if you are leading, for example, and you're you're playing on counter attacks, to bring in those two fast players that that can really hurt a defense is, is going to be going to be a nice thing. Um, yeah, but obviously his his finishing could could need some improving. But I think it's also <laughs> like a, a like a head thing, you know, that he's yeah. he's really like trying too much. I think I talked about it like with Johanna when, when I was on that podcast for for uh, like a couple of weeks or months ago that. Tuchel even told him after training because he wanted to do like extra work on his finishing and he was just like, you know how to score. Like you <laughs> scored 28 goals for Leipzig in, yeah. in the Bundesliga. You know how to score. Like don't worry so much. Just, you know, it's going to, it's going to come to you. So maybe that's happening during the, during the Euros, but I, I doubt that he's like, <laughs> having the biggest impact there, but like it's a, it's a nice subject. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, what about Spain, Manu? Who are you, who should we keep an eye on, an eye on in that squad? Yeah, it, it's hard to say because nobody knows which team is going to bring Luis Enrique. Nobody knows who is going to be in the start eleven. It's uh, he's changing every every match. So actually, if you ask me who were the players in the best shape in the in the last part of the season, I would go for for Marcos Llorente and and Gerard Moreno. But Marcos Llorente probably he's going to play in the right back. So actually, his his determination and his uh, he's not going to be so so influent in, on the game in, in that position. And Gerard Moreno, to be honest, I'm not really sure that he's going to be in the start 11, even if he, he was like the Villarreal star who, who won the, the Europa League this season. So I would go for Ferran Torres, that actually you, mm. you know him very well, mm. because I think that Spain has a, a lack of goal. And I think that Ferran Torres has this special thing, that when he's close to the, close to the, to, to the goal, he, he knows how, how to manage it. And in my opinion, Spain plays well. So the last match against Portugal, they did a good job. But that's true that he's missing this in front of the goal. And I think that the player that could be the key 
it's is Ferran Torres. So I don't know why I, I jump in the swimming pool and I and, and I and I say him. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, before we recorded, I read a, a preview on a, on a website that shall remain nameless, uh, not our website, I should say. And someone tipped uh, Ferran for the golden boot for the whole tournament, and I was like, wow, that's a that's a pretty crazy shout. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, he, I could definitely say towards the end of his uh, first season at City, he was playing more centrally uh, quite often, and, and looks like he's got a real kind of striker's instinct. It looks like you know. Putting him out yeah. on the wing might be a bit of a waste of his talents, really. So, yeah, actually, there are many people that they are saying that in case because I think that Morata he's going to start, and in case that Morata doesn't do a, a, a good first match, maybe Luis Enrique change and Ferran Torres plays as false no, false number nine, and it's Gerard Moreno who play a little bit more in the right, but with the option to move around. So it could be a, actually a, a good couple, Gerard Moreno Ferran Torres, because the movements that Ferran Torres uh, used to do they fit perfectly well. With, uh, with the way uh, to Gerard Moreno used to play in Villarreal. Mm. Yeah, talking about England's players, I mean, uh, I mentioned a few of them earlier. Phil Foden is is one that, you know, I'm very biased about him as well, but I'm really <laughs> looking forward to seeing him play, uh, see what he can do, especially with his new uh, silver blonde hair, whatever we're calling that, is Paul Gascoigne impersonation. Uh, Mason Mount, Jaden Sancho, uh, you know, Harry Kane is up there. I think England's defence is going to be crucial for them this at uh, this tournament. I think, uh, you know, the goalkeeper, we don't really know who's going to who's going to start. I assume it's going to be Jordan Pickford and uh, he had a pretty good World Cup last time out. Is very uh, up and down uh, for Everton, but I think he he kind of got it together towards the end of the season and, and was playing well. So hopefully he can take that that confidence into the tournament. And then you've got John Stones and Harry Maguire, who will hopefully be fit, um, which is a decent uh, centre back partnership if if they're both playing well. Uh, the fullback positions are pretty strong as well. So I think there is strength all over the pitch for England. Whether whether Jordan Henderson is going to play much remains to be seen. Declan Rice might be. Uh, someone who really announces himself on the world stage at this tournament because he's a player who's been performing really well for for West Ham so yeah <laughs> you look at the squad and it's it's it looks great in every every single position you kind of wonder how could it possibly go wrong but we'll see we will but see also, but that's also for a lot of teams I think. yeah yeah like it's it's one of the one of the great things about this euro I think that there's so many like there's like, like I'm maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but there's like one clear favorite in, in France, and then there's like so many teams who also feel like, yeah, I think they could win it. Why not? Like they have a good squad. So, yeah. Well, you've you've preempted my next question there, Helga, because I was going to talk about some of the other potential favorites <laughs> now, and I was going to say before we start, who do you think should be considered the favorites going into the tournament? Not necessarily who you think will win it, but who theoretically has the best chance. So you reckon France, do you? Yeah, they like just on on the. If you look at the the individual class of the players, they, it's ridiculous. France, they, they, I think they could probably go with like three teams to the tournament, like full squads, and they would still all be <laughs> somewhat, you know, like they, they could compete for the, for the title. Like it's it's ridiculous how much talent they have in that country. Yeah, but I mean, it's also like you can only field eleven players, so like trying to fit all of these world-class players into one team is already a, a challenge like i'm uh, jumping ahead to like a later part for me but like if you look like like deshaun like you know trying to with the with the diamond formation in midfield which uh it's like a little you know like, like unusual i would i would go for like on, mm. on tournaments um like just to to try and, and fit all of his great players into into a squad so that's like the only um issue i, I see there kind of like that, that you have to like yeah like like adjust your tactics so much but mm. also they like, work out really well like we, we don't know yeah 
Yeah, I think France are the favourites as well. I think any team that has N'Golo Kante in it has to be considered favourites to win any football match, basically, because <laughs> the guy's insanely good. And, and yeah, the, the, the embarrassment of riches that they have, that they could just go, Karim Benzema, should we give him a recall? Like... It's just it's yeah, crazy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'll go on then. Yeah, go on, Karim. You can come this time. Um, any any one that you would add to that conversation as the favourites, Manu? Well, I actually totally agree. I mean, the World Cup champions plus Benzema, probably the best Karim Benzema that we have seen in his career. Yeah, he's a he's a top 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 level top level team. I mean, probably one of the best national team squads that we have seen since I don't know maybe Brazil two thousand six that they they didn't win or Brazil two thousand two with Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Rivaldo. It's it's unbelievable, but as as Elge said before, the final they are like two teams must play the final. So and, and there is like this second spot with so many options, and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be nice to see actually who is gonna be able to 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 compete against against the the champs team. Yeah, well, Italy will be kicking the tournament off when they face Turkey in Rome on Friday night. Manu, are you expecting big things from Roberto Mancini's men this summer? Yeah, I think that uh, they are better team than in two thousand sixteen. They don't have a better coach because for me, Conte is, is top level. But actually, probably Italy has one of the best midfields in the tournament with, with Jorginho, Berratti and, and Nicolo Varela. We will see how, how it's going to how it's gonna behave the, the defence because Bonucci and Chiellini, they are already with, with too much experience. Let us say too much because they are already old. And let us see how they can manage this, this kind of tournament with many matches in, in a short period of time. But I think that Italy can be... Easily one of the ones who finish in the top four in the semifinals, and why not to play the final against against France or or, or whoever? In my opinion, the big the, the big thing is gonna see what happens with with Chiro Immobile. Everyone knows, mm. everyone who follows the football clubs thing and 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 the, the national competitions during during the last years know how Chiro Immobile is one of the top five, top eight strikers in a club team in in, in this in this atmosphere. If he's able to 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 make this click. And to compete with the national team as he does with with Lacho, he's a guy who scored 30 goals per season. I think that Italy is gonna is gonna have won a lot in in the race to to, to be in the final. So I'm kind of confident. Actually, I have spoken with our colleague David just two days ago about that. He's kind of confident too, and I think that Italy has like a let us say kind of easy group. They can manage to 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 be in the final rounds. Mm. Uh, we've pretty much covered France already, Helga. So uh, let's talk Sorry about, about that. That's oh, all right. Let's talk, let's talk about Belgium instead. I mean, they're, they're a team who are always intriguing. Uh, you know, the players at their disposal. Is this going to be their year, or is their golden generation past its sell by but sell uh, by date by now? Do you think? No, like the last thing, they definitely no. Like they they are still a top uh, team. I think they're also first in this lovely UEFA no FIFA ranking of, of you know uh, <laughs> whatever teams. that means yeah, yeah like it's, it's not really not really <laughs> that much of a of a indicator but like at least it, it shows that they they've been winning their games they they have also top players as we just said like about about Italy they have you know Kevin De Bruyne that you know fairly well mm-hmm. um, and you know like Lukaku up front they like they all, like this is one of those I don't know. How much are we going to give there? Like like seven, eight teams that I would not be surprised if they if they win the the, the tournament in the end. Yeah. Um, but as I said, like for me, it's like France above all a little bit, and then you have a wide array of of teams that can win. In Belgium is definitely one one of them. Indeed. Uh, talk to me about Portugal, Manu. I mean, I think they might be the team that I'm most excited about watching at this tournament. But are you are you expecting them to deliver on their promise? Yeah, I think with with England, as I told you before, they are like the two teams that are more exciting to watch. I think that the the, the 
the amount of, of big names that Portugal has is, is insane. Maybe it's not France, but we are talking about Bruno Fernandes, Andre Silva, Cristiano Ronaldo, Joe Felix, uh, Diogo Jota. It's many incredible, incredible players. And I think that they are going to do like a good tournament. What is the, the only issue that I have about, about Portugal is that I think that Fernando Santos, probably he's going to kind of keep in the way of, of preparing the matches that he did in the in the Euro two, uh, 2016 that actually worked well for him because they, they won. But everyone remember how, how they won. They were like a defensive team that actually they went to the extra time and the penalties in, in so many rounds. So in case that they play in this defensive way, I don't know how is he going to adapt to the amount of quality that they have they have forward. But yeah, definitely it's also another team that is going to be in, the, in that range of, of candidates to, to win the trophy. And at the end, if Ronaldo is, is on fire, I think so that nobody can stop Portugal. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that seems to be the case with pretty much every big team at this tournament, really. Great group of players, but I'm not sure about the coaches. Uh, you know, you could say the same about Portugal, Belgium, England, France, Germany, Italy. <laughs> they're, all, they're all pretty average coaches. You know, I don't mean to speak out of turn there, but yeah, you know what I mean? I think there's... Something in that. If 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 one of those teams had a had a really impressive coach, then you would you would say that they were probably the favourites. Yeah, I get what you mean. Like, like the most impressive coaches at the moment, like they are not coaching national teams. You know, yeah, they, they exactly. Are mostly yeah. in England, basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hansi Flick is now gonna gonna move to to Germany after the tournament. So, but yeah, like most of them, they are really focused on not rather work every week mm. with my squad and, and don't just like they do this every couple of months. But yeah. yeah. Well, speaking about unimpressive coaches, can we expect anything from Frank de Boer's Netherlands? <laughs> you think, Helga? <laughs> oh, man. Actually, like, I, I don't think that they are going to be great. Like, the, the thing is, like, as I said, like, the, the group stage, it's so easy to get through that I don't think like, they are going to completely flop. And then like, if they're like, out against a good team in, in the best of 16, you know, nobody can really complain. But I am... A little baffled by, <laughs> by, by the Netherlands, you know, like I like for example, he he mixed up two like the players twice, you know, like um, he was recently talking like who could go uh, play in the, the right wing back role, and he's like um, Quincy Mene could possibly play there, of course, and then um, he he meant Quincy Pomus, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and like the same thing he talked about like. Um, Donny van der Beek having like like four thousand minutes with his team, and then it's actually he meant uh, David Klaassen. So, the Schalke fans probably remember that it's never a great sign when your your coach can't mm. remember players' mm. names. Um, you know, like with Christian Gross there, they they got relegated to. Like, he was there for like only a couple like a couple of months, but still, it's not a, never a great sign. Also, like the the switch to the three five two system um, doesn't seem to to go. Super smoothly, you know, and also like their, I would say in general, like the defense and especially the goalkeeper with Stiglenburg, um, is not on the, on the, on the top level no. of the, of the tournament. So they definitely are going to get through the group stage. I'm, I'm quite sure of that, but like afterwards, they are like not in my, my group of favorites for the, for the tournament. No. What about dark horses then, guys? I mean, uh, outside of the, the, the teams that we've mentioned already, is there anyone you can see doing something, uh, a bit unexpected this, this summer, Manu? Here I'm gonna jump on the swimming pool again because yeah, I, have, I have read a lot about about Turkey, but I'm gonna go for Ukraine. Oh, you stole my answer! 
Yeah, actually, <laughs> no, nobody speaks about Ukraine, and they did like an incredible qualification. I think I was checking the the, the, the stats before because I remember it, that everyone was talking about about Ukraine, and they did 24, 24 points during the qualification mm. round. Uh, also, they beat Portugal, that it was in in their group. That I mean, we have already spoken about Portugal, and I don't know, they don't have any big star. Probably the, the biggest star that they have is Serchenko, and he's he's the coach. Yeah, uh, and also Sinchenko from from Manchester City. I wouldn't call but him I a big star, that, but yeah. <laughs> but but I think it's like at the end, it's gonna be like a group. It's gonna be like like a family. Many of them they are playing in the local league in Dinamo or in Shakhtar. So I think that that's a good thing for for a national team that they already know each other. Uh, for being playing during the world season, and then the, the the group stage is easier for them against Austria, Macedonia, Países Bajos. I think that at least that is not that they are out already from that. And I think that they could, they they have never uh, go through the the last sixteen round. And I'm gonna go for for Ukraine that they are gonna get the option to be in, in the quarterfinal. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, Helga. Any any other suggestions? Uh, I would go for for Denmark because mm. they've been having a very decent year so far. Only conceded one goal and that, that against Germany. Uh, otherwise, they they they've beaten Israel two zero, uh, Moldau. I think I'm not sure how to how to say that in in English. That country's name, <laughs> <laughs> Moldavian. You know, like Moldau. I think um, they beat them eight zero. They had four zero against Austria and the tie against Germany and like the most recent game. 2-0 against Bosnia and Herzegovina. So, um, like, yeah, they are having a very decent team there as well, and could could surprise at least a little bit. Turkey was already mentioned, but yeah, so those, those three probably could be the the dark horses there. Yeah, Moldova, you mean, right? Moldova, yeah. yeah. What do you call probably. it? Uh, Moldavian. Ah, okay. Kind of, kind of similar. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> should, should, should have known that. <laughs> That's embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nearly finished now. Let's get our crystal balls out and make some predictions, shall we? So um, who is going to be the biggest disappointment at the tournament? Manu, you can go first on that one. Mm, as we expect France winning easily the tournament, <laughs> I think that France is not going to win. So it's going to be a disappointment for all of us that this amazing squad, they finish second or third. In my opinion, they are not going to even play the final. I think that they are going to lose probably semi-final, quarter-final. So I go for France. Yeah, it's been a little while since they've had a, t- a traditional meltdown at a tournament, isn't it, France? And some behind-the-scenes turmoil, that usually happens to them, doesn't it? So yeah, could be the case. Uh, Helga? Uh, really tough to say because they, they, as I said, it's easier to to get through the group stages than in the World Cup. So, like, what's what's a big disappointment in there? Then you know, like on the other end, of course you have like the the group of uh, France, Portugal, and in Germany where there's the biggest chance of of failure. You know, like that you are um, surprisingly like slipping up and and like. like um, like as I said, like maybe Germany against the Hungary if they don't win, or like you know France could happen the same thing. Like there's two tough opponents that you can always lose against, and then you have like this this um, game really decisive against Hungary. Probably that everyone in the group is like needs to win to actually to get through. Um, so yeah, it's it's really uh, difficult to say for me to be honest. Like I don't see like like a massive disappointment uh, coming so far so I'll I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll be surprised yeah. I'll, I'll be surprised during the tournament <laughs> yeah I, as I said earlier I'm really looking forward to seeing Portugal this summer so I've got a feeling they're going to let me down and be a bit shit <laughs> uh, I remember our, our, our esteemed former colleague Andre used to say Fernando Santos, Santos was so useless um, 
that you know it wouldn't surprise me if if their coach really sort of was their undoing uh, this uh, worst, worst case Ronaldo's just going to go on the, on the sideline again and then coach them to be yeah cool. that's true yeah yeah of course they won it last time didn't they I forgot about that yeah yeah uh, alright who will win the golden boot Manu yeah I'm going to go for Harry Kane I think that England has uh, amazing players forward and he's kind of the key ones probably correct me if I'm wrong probably he was going to shoot the, the penalties as well <laughs> Think so, so, yeah. I would say Harry Kane. I was going to say Harry Kane as well. So that's another of my answers that you've stolen. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, right, Helga. Same, same here. Like, yeah. Okay. Not, we're all agreeing on Harry Kane. All agree on Definitely Harry Kane. not going to be him. Yeah. He probably won't even score now after he said that. Yeah. <laughs> he jinxed him completely. <laughs> all right. He ruined it for England. It's time to really jump into the swimming pool now, as Manu would say. Who is going to win the tournament, Manu? Tough question. I have already said that it's not going to be France, so I would go for Germany. Germany, England in the final, and Germany wins the wins the trophy. Wow, Helga, <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll agree with that. No, I think I'll, I'll go for France. Come on, let's, let's do it twice in a row. They can do it. Yeah, my head says France. My heart says England. My heart says football's coming home. Finally. 31, 31 games without winning, uh, without getting to the final. 55 years without winning a major tournament. It's got to be. Song. There's a song somewhere. There in is, it. yeah, yeah. yeah. Someone, <laughs> should, someone should write it. Someone should write it. We want to listen it in the new room. Well, that will do us for this Euro 2020 preview podcast. Uh, we're going to be podcasting throughout the tournament with myself and Angelina Kelly, joined by a whole host of experts from OneFootball's international newsroom. We'll be back on Wednesday, the 16th of June, to talk about the first round of group games, and hopefully we'll even have a bit of Copper America chat for you there. In the meantime, we'd really love you to get some questions into us about the tournaments. Uh, so if you have uh, any questions, you can email us on podcast at onefootball.com or tweet us at OneFootball. Thank you to Helga and Manu for joining me today. Thanks for listening everybody enjoy the football and we'll hopefully see you again soon I never-